You're listening to Tempted, a sermon series by Facing Temptation Successfully. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah? You guys got to learn to clap better, clap better, you know what I mean? So uh, look at the person sitting next to you and just tell them, you know. Give them a little, give them a little attitude, you know, say, you know you're blessed. They get to sit by you today, right? They, they should know that. They're, they're blessed today. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. You could be anywhere on this Sunday, but you're here in God's house, and I really do believe that God's got a word for each and every one of us. We are starting a brand new series today that we are called, we're calling The Tempted, The Tempted. And, and I wonder, uh, as we start, how many of you would just admit that from time to time you are tempted with different things? You are tempted. A couple of us are being honest. Some of us are like, I don't know what that means. You're lying. Uh, and so uh, we, we are all tempted from time to time. I know that I am. Uh, like every time I go to Walmart, I am, I am tempted. Uh, Amanda and I, when we go, we have this routine. We start up in the front on the left, you know, the personal care section. We go get shampoo, deodorant, all that other good stuff, and then we make our way to the back to go grocery shopping. But on your way to the back, you have to pass another section of Walmart. It's called the electronics section. And man, it's so amazing. It's so incredible. It's majestic, you know. They, they have walls of televisions of TVs. Any guys, when you're walking by, you know, you just can't help but look. Just me, pray for me. Okay. So I'll be pushing the buggy, you know, and then I'll see them. And they like make me, and I I think that I'm still pushing the buggy, but I stop and I'm like, colors, TVs, 65 inches. I got to get one of those. And so in my mind, I keep thinking, man, how can I get one of these? How can I get one of these? And so I'm like, man, I'll be able to see the football scores. You know what I mean? Actually on the teaser, that big. And so I'm like, well, Amanda's not going to go for that. And so I'm like, okay, how can I really convince her that I need this? I'll say, I need it so that when the weather alerts go by on the bottom, I can read it. It's for the safety of our family. You know what I mean? I need I need this television, and so I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the TVs, and I've stopped, and Amanda has kept walking, and then she notices that I'm not there with her anymore, you know, so she turns around, and she sees me, and I'm, I'm off, and so she runs up to my side just about every time, and she's pulling on my shirt, and she's saying, come on, Robert, you're stronger, you're stronger than that, you know, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that, and so I just can't help myself sometimes, you know what I mean, I don't need a TV, I don't need a TV, but sometimes I, I just want it. It's a huge temptation for me. Anybody else? That's a temptation of yours. Just a couple of us. Pray for us. You know, pray for me. I got to go to Walmart later this week. Pray that I'll be strong. Uh, but some to time, time to time, we, we do have some temptations, and sometimes they seem very minor. But then there are other times in our life where we have some pretty serious temptations. You know, there are other times in our life where we have the temptation maybe to lie, to cheat to steal, to hurt other individuals, the, this, this temptation really to, to do really bad because temptation is a part of life. And Jesus, Jesus who is the Son of God, Jesus who is God, he is the second member of the Trinity, God in the flesh, Jesus himself was tempted. You can read all about it in Matthew chapter 4, but in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 3, here's what the Bible says. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. So I want you to 
picture this. Jesus is out in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus, he's out in the wilderness for 40 nights. And, and you say, well, man, he's, he's out there. He hasn't eaten or anything like that. And you say, well, what does that really mean? What does it mean to fast? And in the Bible, what fasting really meant was to give up something for an extended period of time. Mostly in the Bible, when someone fasted, they were giving up food. And so for 40, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is not eating. I, I had breakfast this morning, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking about food 40 minutes after I eat breakfast. Anybody else? Is that you? You know what I mean? And so I'm tempted, but Jesus, he's out there for 40 days and, and 40 nights, and so he's telling himself, I'm not going to eat. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, he said that fasting is a way for you and I to mortify our flesh. It's a way for you and I to control our flesh or to subdue our flesh, to rule over our flesh. Because if we can tell our body no when our body is trying to tell us it's time to eat, if we can tell our body no when our body is trying to dictate to us what it is and what it isn't, what it is and what we shouldn't be doing, uh, we should be able to tell our body no when we are tempted to do sinful things. And again, so Jesus, he's in the wilderness for 40 days, for 40 nights. He hasn't eaten, and he's not, not eating because he's trying to lose weight. Some people don't eat because they want to lose weight. Again, he's out there fasting, and he's seeking God. He is seeking God's will for his life. And Matthew clearly tells us that Jesus is hungry. Well, I can't imagine, again, what 40 days without food would do to an individual's Body. I think of Jesus' stomach. It's growling more than it ever has. His his stomach is turning. He's he's hungry. He's really hungry, and he's alone. And I'm talking about that movie Castaway Alone. You know what I mean? With Wilson, the volleyball. Nobody is around. He's by himself, and the devil comes to tempt him. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this about Jesus. It says, for we do not have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. He is the one who prays for us, who intercedes to the Father on our behalf. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. All the temptations that you and I have, you need to understand that Jesus also had them. When you think that no one understands my temptation, nobody understands what I am going through, you need to understand that that is not true. The Bible teaches us that no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Again, Jesus was tempted in every way just as you and I are. I'm thankful that we have someone we can go to and talk to about our temptation who knows what it's like. If you've got people in your life who don't like you, guess what? Jesus had people in his life who didn't like him. If you've got people in your life who are literally trying to kill you, guess what? Jesus had people in his life who were trying to kill him. You say, my life is hard. Guess what? Jesus' life is also hard. You say, man, I just don't know that I'm going to have enough money to, to, to pay my bills and things like this. You need to know that Jesus had somebody very close to him who was stealing from him. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be tempted as you and I are. See, I wish that I could say that when you and I became a Christian, we would never be tempted again, but that's simply not going to happen. In fact, I want you to see something that Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 1. This is pretty interesting to me, but here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. He says, offenses will certainly come. 
offenses will certainly come. Some translations say that there will always be temptations to sin. Or there will always be opportunities to sin. But in the Greek language, what's very interesting is that that word offenses, it literally means baited traps. Baited traps. Now, what is a trap? A trap is something that has purposely been set to catch or harm something. I remember when I was eight or nine years old, I had a friend who lived right up against a wooded area, and he always had wild rabbits in his backyard. And so, again, we're eight or nine, and we come up with this, this, this plan. It was genius, man. When, y'all, when I tell you all this, you're going to be like, wow, that is so smart. We were going to catch one of those rabbits, and so what we decided we were going to do was we were going to get an empty box. We got an empty box, and we took it out there to the back nine, you know what I mean, way out there by the woods, and we got a stick. And we propped it up under the box. This is amazing. I know y'all are like, what? That's a great idea. And so then we tied a string around that stick. And it was a really long string. And so we went all the way to his back porch, you know, and we're just sitting there waiting, waiting on rabbits to come out. Well, guess what? Eventually here come them rabbits hopping around looking so fluffy. You know what I mean? And so they're, they're just eating that grass. You know, they're moving their mouth and all that. I guess we're like, we're going to get one. We're going to get one. The only thing we forgot to do with our trap was bait it with something. So them rabbits are looking at our trap going, bruh, I ain't about to go in there, man. I know. They're moving their mouth, you know what I mean? But we didn't, catch, we didn't catch anything. But again, in here it's talking about not just traps, but baited traps. So I need you to understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that there are always going to be things and situations that have been put before you that are going to be tempting to fall into that are going to be, they're going to be tempting to, to entice you. They are going to be trying to entice you just so that they can trap you. And in Luke chapter 17, he goes on to talk about really what the baited trap for each and every one of us is. I want you to see what he says in verse 3. Again, Jesus just says, hey, offenses are going to come. And then he says this, be on your guard. What does that mean? It means look out, look out. He says, be on your guard if your brother sins against you. Rebuke him if he repents. Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So I want you to understand, Jesus looks at his disciples. He looks at his followers. And he says, there are going to be people who hurt you. There are going to be people who who really hurt you. They are going to offend you and you must. Forgive them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I read that, when I read what Jesus says right there, I'm thinking, Jesus, you done lost your mind. Jesus, you must be crazy. Just going to be honest with you. You got to be joking. Because, see, maybe everybody you know is always nice to you, and maybe everybody you know always treats you kind. But I wonder if there's anybody in this room who's ever had somebody really hurt you. Like me, have you ever had somebody in your life really hurt you deeply and just really hurt your life and tried to make you miserable? I know that I have in my own life. There was a period for over five years in my life where there were some people who really did everything they could to ruin me, to hurt me. One time they keyed my truck. They wrote a big F on the side, and I'll let you fill in the rest. You know what I mean? They, they keyed my truck. Not only did they do that, but they made videos 
videos about me comparing me to Satan and posting them on YouTube and passing them out. They wrote letters about me calling me a liar and doing all sorts of other things. They wanted to ruin me, ruin my character, and ruin my ministry. I I hated it. These were people that I had served and loved for over 10 years in my life. I honestly lived in fear of what they were going to do next. I know what it's like to be hurt. And I know that there are other people in this room, and you know what it's like to be hurt. And so when I see this response from Jesus, that you must forgive, that you must forgive, my immediate response is, Jesus, again, you're crazy. Jesus, you must have lost your mind. Is there anybody else who's been hurt that when you hear that, that's what you naturally think? Man, Jesus, you, you, don't, know, you don't know what you're thinking. So Jesus tells his followers that they've got to forgive people who have hurt them. And you know how they respond? you got to see this, man. The next verse, verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. That's what they say. The, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. You know what this shows me? This shows me that the disciples had a hard time with what Jesus was saying. It, it shows me that. Lord, you want us... To forgive people? You're going to have to help us with that. You're going to have to increase our faith. You're really going to have to show us how to do that. Now, now, if there were any people in the world that you would think wouldn't need their faith increased, it, it would be the disciples, right? It would be the people who followed Jesus for three years on this earth. I mean, the disciples should have had all the faith in the world because they had seen Jesus turn water into wine. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They had seen Jesus, just the sound of his voice, cast out demons from People, they had seen Jesus do so many miraculous things, things like feed 5,000 people with a kid's happy meal. They had seen Jesus do all of these things, and none of those things caused them to say, wow, God, I can't believe that. It was this simple command to forgive others that caused them to step back and say, I don't know about that, Jesus. I don't know about... That this command, it shocked them just like it shocks me. And I'm sure it shocks some of us in this room. Because just like me, again, I know there are people here. You've been hurt. Deeply hurt. There are people here who have experienced deep hurt at the hands of people that they thought loved them. And oftentimes when we're hurt deeply, we think, I can't forgive that person. I can't. There's no way I can do it. But Jesus says we must. Everybody say must. See, even though we've got this huge temptation, this baited trap to hold on to unforgiveness, we must forgive. And so for the rest of the time that we have together, I want to point out three things to you about forgiveness that I hope will help you, that will hope help you understand really what it is that God wants for your life. The first thing that I want you to see about forgiveness is this. Forgiving others is being obedient to God. Forgiving others is how you are obedient to God. Now, I know you know, but as followers of Christ, as His children, we are supposed to listen 
to God. We are supposed to listen to our Heavenly Father. How many of you ever had to listen to your parents when you were coming up? Didn't you hate that sometimes? I know that I hated that sometimes, you know. Uh, my mom used to look at me and say, be nice to your sister. And I would think, well, she's not being nice to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so she would look at me and she'd give me that look, you know, that look like I brought you into this world. I will take you out of it. Be nice to your sister. And so I'd say, okay, right? And so I was always so loving to my sister, always so nice to my sister. I was always so kind to my sister when my mom was looking. Anybody know? But when my mom wasn't looking, I was going to terrorize my sister. You know what I mean? If you've got kids, you know they do the same thing. I got three of them, Brianna, Grace, and Sadie Kate. That's how they are. They'll be fighting, and I'm like, Brianna, be nice to your sister. She's like, I am being nice to your sister. I'm thinking, I was just like you. No, you're not. I don't care. Both of y'all, be nice to each other. But as long as, I, as my mom was looking, I was going to be nice. The problem is, with you and with me, there's never a time when our God is not watching us. Never. He sees us. He never takes his eyes off of us. He, he always is able to see if we are really doing what it is he has told us to do. And it's hard to forgive. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible tells you, and I make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see that? Forgive who? Anyone. Not a lot of people. Not some people. Not a few people. Not most people. Anyone. You must forgive because God has forgiven you. You know what I hate about this verse? That there's no exceptions here. There's no reasoning with God on this. There's, there's, there's no saying, you know what, I'm just going to pray about it, God. There's no saying, God, you don't know how they have made me feel. You don't know what they have done to me. No, no, he says you must forgive anyone. There is this command. God has forgiven you. He has forgiven me. So we must forgive others. See, something we don't realize is that when we fail to obey God, we're being disobedient. And disobedience is a sin. So how many of you, you know, you, you, you got kids again. Some of y'all should, you should claim them for real. Has your child ever looked at you and said no? Sadie Kate, my seven-year-old, bless her. Bless her. Pray for us. I love her. The other day, man, she looked at me and I told her to do something. And she said no. I had to get off the couch. Oh, no, you didn't. Look, when you and I tell God no, I mean, don't you want to, I just can't help but think there are times when he goes, oh, no, you didn't. 
When we say, God, we're going to be we're going to be disobedient. We're not going to do what it is that you told us to do. We are telling God, no, sin. That is sin. Disobedience is sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what keeps God from being able to bless us. So if you want to be blessed, you have to forgive. You can golf clap. Now, forgiving others doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't. It just means that we release the other person from what we think they owe us. Forgiving is being obedient to God. The next thing I want you to see about forgiving others, man, I just really hope some of this, this frees some people up here today. But the next thing that I want you to see about forgiving others is that forgiving others frees us to live. Frees us to live. How many of you know what a phobia is? You know what a phobia is? Like how many of you got arachnophobia? <laughs> Fear of spiders, right? Fear of spiders. What about claustrophobia? Fear of confined spaces. Couple people out there. What about uh, is it called uh, nyctophobia? Anybody the fear of the dark? Anybody? You got that right there? Fear of the dark. What about uh, there's a lot of ladies in the room I know have this one. Decidophobia? The fear of making decisions. That's such a real thing. Look it up. It's real. Where do you want to eat lunch today? <laughs> you decide. I mean, there's this fear, right? Sometimes, though, our fears, they paralyze us. Growing up, my sister, she was older than I was, and there were times where she would pin me down on the ground and with her knees on my shoulder, and she would start to tickle me. You know what I mean? And she would say, say, April is the greatest person in the world, or I'm not going to stop tickling you. Does anybody, anybody's teacher, you know, your sister, you did that to you? That'd be weird if a teacher did that, but a sister, yeah. <laughs> Somebody, sorry. My sister would do that, and I'd say, <laughs> you're the greatest. <laughs> and she said, you got to say it without laughing, or I'm going to keep on doing it, man. Man, I hated that. I hated the feeling of not being able to move. Well, you know what unforgiveness is? The refusal to forgive. The refusal to forgive, it pins us down. It chains us up. And chains are heavy, right? They're heavy. Oh, my. They're heavy. Put this around my neck. WrestleManias tonight, boy, junkyard dog. I put her to fool. Anybody? Will y'all just bear with me? I have a point. <laughs> Chains are heavy, though, right? You say, man, I can, I, can, uh, I can carry this around for a little while. I mean, it's all right for a little while. But, man, you carry this around forever. It's kind of hard, right? Let me, let me try to illustrate it this way. I'm going to get Kenny, brother Kenny, to come help me. I already talked to him before service. Come on up here, Kenny. Y'all give it up for Kenny. Oh. Here you go, Kenny. Put, the, put this around your, your head, your neck, you know, kind of hold on to it. Hold on to it real good. Kenny, turn around, face everybody. This is Kenny Gurley, y'all. Good guy. He made me crawfish last week. I love it. So, Kenny, you got a job? Yes. He has a job. That's good. Everybody give it up for Kenny. He's got a job. <laughs> so, Kenny, if you were carrying that around all day tomorrow, would that affect your job? Yes. It would? Yes. You wouldn't be able to do your job? No. Okay, so Kenny, you like to eat? Don't answer that. 
If you were carrying this around while you're trying to eat, Kenny, would that, would that affect your ability to be able to eat right? Yes. All right. It would affect him. So, so Kenny, are you married? Yes. You love, your, you, love, you love her? Yes. You love your wife, right? Yes. Not as my ass. Okay. <laughs> Got to be specific nowadays. So carrying this around, though, would this, would this affect the way that you're able to love your wife? Would this affect the way that you're able to love your kids? Yes. yes? What if you just said, hey, I'm not going to really keep it around my neck. I'm going to put this in my pocket. Try to put that in your pocket. <laughs> if it was just hanging on your belt, you think that would affect, would it affect the way you walk? Yes. Would it affect everything about you, right? Yes. And see, that's what unforgiveness does, right? It affects everything about us. See, when, we, when we're holding on to unforgiveness for people, sometimes just hearing that other person's name, what does it do to us? It affects us, right? We begin to think about what they did. We begin to get angry. Sometimes because we're holding on to unforgiveness. Come on, I want somebody to know what I'm talking about here. But you can't even sleep. You can't even eat. Because holding on to unforgiveness, what does it do? It affects every aspect of our life. Am I right? It's just like hanging on to this chain. Thank you, buddy. You did a good job. Ah! Just kidding. I'm okay. I made a steal. But it does. It affects everything about us. I know this because I carried around unforgiveness for so long. It messed me up. Messed me up. And I'm telling you today that it will mess you up. And there's some people in this room and you think it's impossible for me to forgive. It's impossible for me to forgive some of the people who have hurt me. The disciples must have thought it was impossible for them to forgive as well. Because remember what they say to Jesus in response to this command? Increase our faith, God. Increase our faith, Jesus. And immediately after that, look at what Jesus says in verse 6. It's unbelievable here. He says, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, when I first read this, this confuses me. Because I'm thinking, what in the world is Jesus talking about? You ever been talking to somebody, and then they just say something completely unrelated and crazy, and you're like, what? Where'd that come from? If you ever talk to little kids, this happens all the time, right? You'd be like, hey, how was your your day today? I like hamburgers. Hey, are you doing okay? I'm three and a half. You know, I mean, they're just say stuff. You're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? That has nothing to do with what I asked you. When I, when I read this response, I'm thinking, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? He tells his disciples to forgive, and they say, hey, man, that's hard. You're going to have to help us with that. And he starts talking about throwing a mulberry tree in, in, the, in the sea with your words, you know, not a mulberry plant. A mulberry tree. A mulberry tree can grow up to 50 feet in height. And again, Jesus is saying, you can just say to it to be uprooted and thrown in the sea, and it'll listen to you. How many of you have ever tried to weed your flower bed? And there's been like a three-foot oak tree, and you got to go to the ER because you pull your back, right? Jesus is saying, you can say to a mulberry tree, 50 feet tall to be thrown into the sea, and it will be. What in the world does all this mean? See, the disciples are telling Jesus, this is impossible for us to forgive. But Jesus gives them an illustration to where the impossible 
becomes possible because of their faith. He's telling his followers, it's not impossible to forgive. Even if the hurt is real, even if the hurt is deep, even if the hurt has taken root like a 50-foot mulberry tree, you can say to it by faith, be uprooted and it will be done. And when you do that, it allows you to live free. So forgiving others is being obedient to God. Forgiving others frees us to live. And the last thing that I want you to see this morning is that forgiving other reflects Christ's work in you. Forgiving other, others reflects Christ's work in you. How many of you have ever gotten your hair cut? Some of y'all need a haircut. For some of us, haircuts are like distant memories, you know. They're growing, my hair's falling out, I'm praying for me. But, 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 but have you ever like gotten a haircut or, or you get a makeover? Why do you get a haircut? Well, you know, sometimes just for, you know, natural, uh, you know, personal hygiene and stuff like that. But usually when you get a haircut or you get a makeup, you're hoping that somebody notices it, right? And they say, wow, you look so great. What about this? Have you ever gotten a haircut or maybe a makeup, make, make, makeover or whatever, guys? If you, I don't know if you do that, not me. You get a haircut, you get a makeover, and one of your friends also gets a haircut or a makeover at the same time. And so you, you, you're with them and you're with a group of other people, and everybody notices their haircut, but they don't notice your haircut. And they're going, wow, wow, they look so great. You look amazing. And you're over here going, I don't hear good too. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know why it's hard sometimes for us to notice when people have got a haircut? Or why it's hard for us to notice sometimes when people get a makeover? It's because they don't really change much. It's because they don't really change much. And what tends to happen for a lot of people who say they have met Christ is they don't really change much. But I'm here to tell you that when Christ works. His work is obvious. God's work is obvious. God spoke this world into existence. His work was obvious. There was nothing and in there was something. Again, his work was obvious. When Jesus turned water into wine, his work was obvious. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, his work was obvious. When Jesus walks on the water, his work was obvious. And when Jesus does a work in your heart, his work should be obvious. Should be obvious. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. This is amazing. Again, the Bible says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in God, just as in Christ God forgave you. Then again, Colossians 3:13. I know we already looked at it, but look at it again. It says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, listen to me, and I'm wrapping up. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, that means that you are forgiven. And you, you and I, we don't deserve forgiveness. We don't earn forgiveness. We can't buy 
forgiveness, but it's given to us freely. Freely. And if you're a Christian, do you know what that means? It means that you are supposed to be Christ-like. See, that term Christian at first, it was meant to be an insult. Look at those little Christs over there. Look at those people trying to be like Jesus. The little Jesus is over there. But that's really what a Christian is. It's someone who is like Christ. We are supposed to be a living reflection of Christ here on earth. And so if we are withholding forgiveness from other people, the reflection of Christ that we are giving to the world is tarnished. If you and I are withholding forgiveness from people, the reflection of Christ that the world has is not a true representation of who Jesus really is. Because they begin to think, if they're supposed to be like Christ and they can't forgive me, then there's no way that Christ in heaven can forgive me. So we forgive. As hard as it is to forgive, we forgive because we've been forgiven. I'm telling you today, forgiving others is being obedient to God. Forgiving others is what frees us to live. And forgiving others reflects Christ's work in our life. Don't fall for the trap of the enemy to hold on to anger and to hold on to unforgiveness. It's a trap that's meant to hurt you. Forgive. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I wonder today if there's somebody here who needs the forgiveness of God. Maybe you look at your life and your past and you think, man, I've just done way too many things for God to ever want to forgive me for. There's no way God can love me. There's no way that He would forgive me. I'm here to tell you this morning that He gives forgiveness freely. You and I have to accept it. So if you'd say today that you want to surrender your life to Christ, that you want to receive this forgiveness for your sins, to become born again, to become a follower of Christ, I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer with me. Father, forgive me for all my sins. And I pray, God, that you would change me Father, that your work in my life would be obvious to other people. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And I thank you for saving me. We're going to keep praying, but listen, if you prayed to receive Christ today, I'm going to ask it right where you are that you just do me a favor. I just want to know that God's working, God's moving. But if you prayed to receive forgiveness of sins and receive Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to ask that right where you are. You just lift your hand. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for saving. 
Father, I know that there are other people in this room who, just like me, have experienced deep hurt in their life. Experienced things that are sometimes very hard for us to let go of. Father, sometimes we think it's impossible to let go of those things. And the truth of the matter is, with man, those things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So by faith today, we pray that you would help us to let go. Help us to let go of past hurt. Help us to let go of past pain. Help us, Father, to be forgiving people because you yourself has forgiven us. Thank you so much, we pray in Christ's name. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.